I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And these are our incredible stories. Hello and welcome back to our show. Uh, we're glad to have all of our listeners from around the world and across the United States with us as we share some more incredible stories and uh, interesting facts. If you are joining us for the first time, welcome to our show. We hope that you enjoy everything that you're hearing. In fact, we hope you enjoy it so much that you hit that like and subscribe button right down there at the bottom. If you look up, that there it is. Go ahead and push that and join us every Friday for new episodes. Uh, we're going to be talking again about some more interesting and incredible facts. Uh, looks like we've got some more about uh, early America, and I am just dying to find out what happened. Last time we found out that uh, George Washington's mother was uh, somebody who <laughs> didn't mess around, <laughs> no, and she was not going to have her son do anything that she didn't want, that him, she to didn't want him to do, enough so mm -hmm. that she would uh, pull him off of a ship by the collar of his shirt. Mm-hmm. Not um, just any ship, but a British man. But of a war. British man of war ship. Yeah, so yeah. She said, "Not today, son. Not today." Uh, so we're having a lot of fun with our weird history month, and as you in, uh, indicated, they're uh, interesting or weird facts. Uh, yeah, that more than maybe stories, but uh, they're designed to get a smile. And I yes. think each time we bring up one of these stories, uh, we're smiling, and right. and then we're finding out things that. Really, we'd never heard uh, before. Yes. And uh, let me just put this out there, too. Uh, at some point, uh, one of our listeners may be uh, involved in some kind of a contest where some strange fact comes up. Mm -hmm. And all I can say is, when you yeah. win, you're welcome for the answer we just gave you. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, this is great fodder for those people who like trivia. Oh, yes. Uh, you know what? Also, when you're at a party and you're war looking for a, uh, an icebreaker, mm -hmm. I mean, nothing's a better icebreaker than, you know, bringing up some kind of unusual thing that nobody thought of, you know, or has, uh, ever, or, or or has ever heard of, uh, right. you know, sitting around the table. Oh, did you know that uh, such and so uh, Ben Franklin decided that the uh, the turkey was going to be better than an eagle? Can you believe this? Or our national seal. Uh -huh. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden that the, the doors just opened for conversation. So anyways. Can you well, start with our new one? All right. For those uh, folks who are, uh, those of you folks who are listening in who enjoy playing trivia, mm -hmm. I'm going to start off uh, with Gary talking about America's lucky number, which is 13. That's not, that's not a lucky <laughs> number at all. Well, it is. Well, I tell you what, it, it's the number in my favorite horror movie series, Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. Uh, now, uh, before we get started with that, I know that uh, 13 is so unlucky that... Uh, Buildings don't have a 13th floor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, every Friday the 13th, everybody gets all jumpy because... It's Friday the it's 13th. It's Friday the 13th. Right. And, and like you say, there was uh, an incredibly entertaining series of movies titled... Yeah, Friday, Friday the 13th. The 13th. Love, I, I know there's a probably not a huge uh, amount of listeners who uh, are a fan of that, but uh, that's one of my favorite things to do on Friday the 13th. I actually get excited because uh, my wife and I, we will sit down and we'll put on one of the campy uh, Friday the 13th movies and just to kind of have fun and, yeah. and watch it. Yeah. yeah. Well, <clears throat> let me tell you this, Gary. Um, we're going to polish up the number 13 uh, so that it doesn't have the terrible reputation it has. Uh, that oh <clears throat> maybe um, maybe we can see some bright spots to having Friday the Thirteenth. 
as America's lucky number. Oh, okay. Uh, it has been a lucky number for the United States um, because it's played an important part in our American history. George Washington, we talked about him the other uh, evening. Yeah, we did. He became the commander-in-chief of the American Revolutionary Army on a Friday the 13th. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a great one for our trivia players. Oh. George Washington was named commander-in-chief of the American Revolutionary Army on a Friday the 13th. Oh, how about that? The first election held in North America, the first one ever, was on a Friday the 13th. Really? Yeah. The, cons- the construction of the White House in Washington, D.C.? Friday the 13th? It started on a Friday the 13th. Huh. <laughs> the state of Arkansas received its state constitution on a... Friday the 13th. In fact, the number 13 runs consistently through American history, and luckily, too. How many colonies did we have, Gary? Thirteen colonies. Mm-hmm. How many stripes in Old Glory are flag? Thirteen. And the first flag boasted how many stars? Thirteen. The official national seal of the United States contains how many arrows? Uh, would that be thirteen? Yeah. How many letters? Thirteen. How many laurel leaves? Thirteen. How many berries? Thirteen. And an American eagle with how many feathers in each wing? <gasps> thirteen. Isn't that great trivia? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, you know what? Here, here's my question. Then why is 13 so unlucky? Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, it to me right now, all the things I'm listening to are very positive, not negative. Yeah. So I, I'm telling you, uh, 13 is America's lucky number. I, I'd like to just repeat that one. The official national seal of the United States, if you uh, pick out a dollar bill, I think the seal's on the back, right? Yeah, it should be. Um, the official national seal of the United States it has 13 arrows, 13 letters, 13 laurel leaves, 13 berries, and an American eagle with 13 feathers in each wing. You know go what? Ahead, go ahead and count them. Uh, here, let me pull out a dollar. I think it's actually on the front. I think it's in the bottom on the front. Let's okay. see if I have a dollar. Yeah. Uh, we're using it may be on any denomination. Oh, it is. I, I have uh, I have a 50 in my hand right now, and so I am oh, looking. Wow. Yep, yep, I'm lurking, looking. It's kind of tiny to see the leaves, but or the feathers. But uh, let me check the the laurel. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, and then the berries. One, two. Uh huh. Oh my true. gosh! It's true. It's true. It is true. Ladies and gentlemen, please take out um, in a piece of American paper money and see for yourself. Look at the official national seal of the United States and count up. Amazing, amazing. Now, how about that? Let's move along from money to our national motto, e pluribus unum. That's Latin, right? That's our national motto. Gary, how many letters does that motto ca- carry? Thirteen. Yes. Oh my God! <laughs> there are thirteen letters in our national motto. And the number 13 carries all the way over from the earliest days of the country into World War I. It took 13 days for the 13 ships of the first American expeditionary force to reach France in 1917. Wow. Yep. American troops participated in the first major engagement against the Germans at Billow Woods on June 13th. And the commanding officer of the American troops, John J. Pershing, 
has 13 letters in his name. Oh, my gosh. The number 13 has, as you can see, been intertwined in American history. And during the Civil War, listen to this now. We're ending on this note. The Confederate flag of the Confederate States of America had 13 stars. But Gary, yeah, there were only 11 states in the Confederacy. <laughs> well, somebody flubbed there, didn't they? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> 13 stars in the uh, Confederate flag, but there were only 11 states in the Confederacy. Well, do you think they did, that they did that just because, I mean, the original, the American flag had 13 because of 13 original colonies? I think some wonk came along, you know, a few years ago and... Uh, I discovered this little discrepancy. Uh huh. Somebody somebody <laughs> miscounted. Or they said eleven. Wait, yeah. wait. No, how many did you say they had in the Confederacy? There were eleven states in the okay, Confederacy. Okay, so eleven. But the flag has thirteen 11, stars. Okay, so they had eleven, and somebody said, mm, yeah. "Does that? You know what? That's just going to leave us a little short on one side. Let's yeah. go ahead and add two more. Just just like the uh, thirteen stars in the yeah. original um, flag of America. So thirteen's <clears throat> the lucky number. Uh, wow. Paul Revere was lucky. He was also lucky, Gary. You uh, you recognize that name? Yeah, right? Paul Revere. He's the one that uh, rode to warn that the British were coming. Yeah, and he got all the credit for that ride. In fact, the great poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, his poet starts: "Listen, my children, and you shall hear of the midnight ride of Paul, Paul Revere." Revere. But two other people actually did the writing. <laughs> so he was pretty lucky to get his name, you know, etched into so, the American Hall of Fame when he didn't really do it. So Paul Revere <laughs> takes all the credit and these other two guys, nothing. Yeah, he, he, he gets all the credit, but he didn't even finish his famous ride. Uh, uh -huh. He was captured. He was captured. Oh, was by, he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was captured uh, by the British halfway to the village of Concord while he was trying to warn the natives. Oh, the my gosh. Coming. So he never actually made it to Concord. Um, the ride was completed by uh, Dr. Samuel Prescott, who just happened to be along. He <laughs> just happened to be there. <laughs> yeah. Now, the reason Paul Revere has gained a firm place in American history for that feat is because of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow again. Uh, that poem was written in uh, 1863, which was 88 years after the famous Midnight Ride. But here's the truth of that famous ride. Are you ready for the incredible story behind the poem? Yes, I am. Okay. <clears throat> Paul Revere, on the night of April 18th, 1775, there was a fellow by the name of William Dawes. Uh -huh. And he was sent out from Boston to warn the countryside that the British were coming. Yeah. So William Dawes hops on his horse and gallops out of history, I guess, because he never made it into history. Right. <laughs> uh, through the countryside to warn the, the colonists that the British were coming. Paul Revere followed William Dawes as his second man. Okay. Now, along the way, they picked up the other rider, Dr. Samuel Prescott, who was coming home from a date. <laughs> really? So yeah, he, what, he a way, just... what a way to end a romantic date. Uh -huh. So the three of them, as they were riding yeah. on this mission to warn uh, the folks in Concord, yeah. were ambushed by a British patrol. Uh -huh. Paul Revere was captured, as I mentioned. Yeah. William Dawes decided to turn around, race back home. So he didn't even... he, he... 
chickened out. And yeah, left. yeah, he turned around, went back home. Okay. Dr. Prescott jumped his horse over a fence, and he continued to wake up the countryside and alert the Minutemen. I've never heard of Dr. Prescott before. I have not. <clears throat> Samuel Prescott. But he's the one. He's the one that did what we consider Paul Revere's famous ride. Oh, my gosh. Meanwhile, what happened to our unlucky Paul Revere, who gets lucky because he ends up getting credit for doing the mm-hmm. ride that uh, William, uh, that um, Samuel Prescott did? He was left on the road by his British captors without his horse. They, they didn't want to fool with him, so they took his horse away. And wow. There he was on the road on foot. So he like he got carjacked, but mm-hmm. with his horse instead. Yeah, yeah. He got yeah, horse jacked. Yeah. So <clears throat> he was really, um, you know, out of this incident in history. Now there's somebody though that's credited as an even bigger hero of this entire affair, and his name was Israel Bissell. Now we'll see if you like him better than uh, Dr. Samuel Prescott. Is Israel Bissell now? He did more writing to warn the colonists than the other three combined. Okay. So, yes, Samuel Prescott made it to Concord, but this Israel Bissell, he went all over the countryside warning the colonists, like I say, more than the other three. Mm-hmm. The day after Revere's famous ride, or should I say interrupted ride, yeah. uh, Israel was given the task of warning the countryside that the British had landed at Cambridge and were marching toward Lexington. He jumped on his horse. He started riding. He rode so hard the first day, his horse dropped dead. Oh, my gosh. He grabbed another horse. He galloped across Massachusetts into Connecticut and on into New York territory. This guy was moving. Yeah, he was. He rode for four days, Gary, without rest, covering more than 300 miles before arriving in Philadelphia. Wow. He was 23 years old. He was really the real hero of the day. Wow. I so why why is it do you think that Paul Revere got so much credit for for what happened in the poem? I mean, maybe it's because, you know, it, what was Dr. what? Okay, Dr. Samuel Parrish. Okay, maybe Dr. Samuel Parrish just didn't lend that name didn't lend itself too well to a poem like Paul Revere did. Yeah, I'm thinking this. Listen my children and you shall hear uh-huh. Of the midnight ride of Paul Revere. Samuel Parrish, <laughs> yeah, Doctor Samuel <laughs> you know, Parrish. Prescott, uh, Samuel Pres- Prescott. Yeah. No, no, that doesn't work. Yeah. So I think um, Longfellow took a lot of artistic license. He chose. Uh, <laughs> you think the one of the three who probably did the least, yeah, and made him the hero of the ride. But Samuel Prescott, like I say, did complete the ride. But Israel Bissell, twenty-three years old, who we've never heard of. I've never heard mm-hmm. of him. Rode 300 miles in several colonies, alerting everybody and their uncle and aunt together. Now, what happened to all of these people in history? We don't know what happened to Israel Bissell. He just dropped out of history after riding his horse to death and then continuing on on another horse for 300 miles. Mm-hmm. We don't know what happened to him. Right Now, William Dawes, we do. He's the one that turned around and rode home. Mm-hmm. It's not for me. He enlisted in the Continental Army, so mm-hmm. he wasn't a coward by any stretch of the okay. And he fought all through the Revolutionary War, and he ended up uh, owning a grocery store in Boston. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's respectable. Yeah. And Dr. Samuel Prescott, mm-hmm. he was certainly a uh, brave hero. He fought at Ticonderoga. Oh. But he was taken prisoner by the British and died in one of their prisons. Oh. In Halifax, uh, Nova Scotia. 
And then what happened to Paul Revere, the guy who didn't get very far and ended up on foot? (laughs) (laughs) Well, when the Revolutionary War got underway, he manufactured gunpowder for the Continental Army, and he helped cast the bronze cannons. Oh, really? Yeah. And he was given the rank of colonel in the Army. He was commander of the garrison at Castle William in Boston Harbor. And after the war, he returned to his work as a silversmith in Boston. So, um, you know, he made his contribution. It's just I would that say so. It wasn't on horseback, right? On that midnight ride, alerting the colonists that the British, uh, the Minutemen, that the British were coming. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, we talked about this uh, last time. I can't remember what story it was we were talking about, but uh, we had discussed how people uh, over time, when stories are told about them become more monumental mm-hmm. as as time goes by. Like, for example, I, I, I remember talking about um, John Henry and uh, Paul Bunyan, Calamity Jane, some of these other people who, you know, we know some of them did exist and some of them may have existed, but they there's tall tales told about mm-hmm. them. They become more uh, like mythical people or beings than they were human mm-hmm. you know paul bunyan was a towering man who was a giant and him and babe the blue ox carved out uh, in the grand canyon and all this kind of stuff and uh calamity jane was unstoppable with a firearm and and all of this and uh john henry you know single-handedly took a, a hammer and a pickaxe and went through a mountain mm-hmm. you know um so but it, it just sounds more than what it is right. so i you know I, I kind of tend to believe that that's the same thing with like paul revere you know yeah we, he was a real person a real person but he jumped out of the factual history book right into what we would call the area of legend right right and a lot of people have done that david crockett davy crockett oh davy crockett yeah he was uh he was a, a congressman mm-hmm. very briefly who didn't do much of anything significant in congress right. but he killed and, himself a bar when he was only three yeah right right <laughs> he he jumped from uh history uh because you know he was one of the unfortunate people killed at the alamo yeah so he jumped from the pages of history into the area of legend yeah that's true and you know what it's funny um i was listening I, I love listening to Paul Harvey. When I was much younger, I would uh, ride with Grandpa in his pickup truck when we were going to run errands or if we were doing something in town. And he liked listening to Paul Harvey. And there was a story about Davy Crockett and that Davy Crockett did not die at the Alamo. He actually died in a cabin from an Indian attack. And it's fascinating to listen to this because the Davy Crockett that we know is actually Davy Crockett Jr. And his father, Davy Crockett Sr., had incredible stories about him, but he ended up dying years before his son. Davy Crockett Jr., uh, the one that we all know, the one that the Disney movies based off. And oh, all of that. Disney did more than anything. Oh, they really, I, Disney, I think, mm-hmm. is the one that really mm-hmm. um, catapulted Davy Crockett yep. into the... The stratosphere, stratosphere, um, American icon. Right, he's he's the one that we all recognize, Junior, uh, who died at the Alamo uh, when the uh, Spanish attacked. Um, and so, but it's fascinating. So sometimes I wonder, you know, that line 
is a little bit blurred how much of what we know about Davy Crockett is the Davy Crockett that we know and how much of it is his father. Uh, but it's, it's fascinating. I love how Paul Harvey told that story too. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a good one that kind of brought up interesting facts. If anybody has a chance and you don't know who Paul Harvey is, oh. I strongly suggest that you Google his name or if you go on YouTube, find some of his stories because he had some really, really great stories. And he would always start out with the ending and then he would build his story uh, backwards to get to where where you were. And But the way he did it was just superb. He was, he was an amazing storyteller and he always had interesting things to share. And I remember it and he would always say, and now the rest of the story. Because there's always a story, but there's something more to it. Mm-hmm. So, and this is kind of what this is right now. That's I, mm-hmm. why I was thinking about it. Because yeah. you know, Paul Revere. We all know the story of Paul Revere, but now historically, it just doesn't gel. Right. And now here's the rest of the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Paul Harvey. All righty. Well, <laughs> we're gonna end it here for today. And as always, I'm Richard. I'm Gary. And these were some incredible stories. Join us next Friday for some more interesting facts and incredible tales. Talk to you soon.